If I know that one of my better defensive players is in the weight room first before everybody else, is the last one to leave, and is making sure that everybody else is getting their sets and their reps done, that means I know I can count on him to be a leader on the field because if he's doing something after school, when coaches aren't necessarily harping on them on every single thing that they're doing, but he's able to push his teammates, I know that when the coaches are out there and eyes are on them at all times, that they're going to get the job done just as well. Coach here with the Peak Performance Podcast, and today our guest is Brandon Villarreal. He's a former defensive tackle for the Purdue Boilermakers, where in his career, his standout career there, he ranks 16th in career tackles for a loss, 20th in sacks, and in his senior campaign, he was an honorable mention all Big Ten player while starting all 12 games. He would finish the year ranked third in the Big Ten in tackles for a loss in ninth in sacks. He was also named the Sun Bowl Most Valuable Lineman. Brandon went on to play defensive tackle for the New Orleans Saints, and he is currently the defensive coordinator at McKinney North High School in McKinney, Texas. Please welcome to the Peak Performance Podcast, Brandon Villarreal. Well, you know, Brian, I really appreciate it. And I'm going to have to have you walk around with me at all times now, because with that kind of entrance, I think I want to have you with me every time I meet somebody. That'll, uh, that'd be kind of fun. So I appreciate that. I'll cut the recording. I'll send it to you so you can have it on you. I think I'll pull out your phone and hit play. But Brandon, Absolutely. appreciate you making time, man, out of your out of your hectic schedule to sit down with us and talk a little bit about kind of the influence um, that athletics has had on your life, you know, as, as a player in high school and then on into college and the NFL and, and, and now giving back coaching high school football. And I'm sure a lot of that in your performance has been, you know, around strength and conditioning and all the time you've invested in the weight room. Talk a little bit about your experience as an athlete and and coming up through the performance course and really the role of strength and conditioning in athletic development. Sure. Well, you know, when when I was growing up and obviously there's there are way more avenues for kids uh, to, to be around strength and conditioning. But when I was younger, uh, prior to getting into high school, really in middle school, uh, I had no idea what really truly strength and conditioning was. I'd never been in a weight room. Uh, I'd always just kind of run around with my buddies around the neighborhood. But once I head into the middle school uh, age and I started picking up with performance course and stuff, it really opened my eyes to the importance that strength and conditioning has on an athlete, both on and off the field. Uh, and what I mean by that is is, is that you know the, the strength part of it, the lifting weights, a lot of people think, well, all you're doing is going in there. You're just trying to get strong and trying to build muscle. Well, that's not just the case. Uh, Building muscle uh, and strengthening your muscles is a way to prevent injury. Uh, Strong muscles aren't necessarily pulled muscles all the time. Now, yes, it can happen, but it's injury prevention. It's not 100%, but it definitely uh, increases your ability to push through uh, a potential injury. Um, And then the conditioning part of it, obviously, is to not only get your body in condition, but to get your mind in condition. It's, It's something that when you're going through the drills, whether it's 100 yard sprints, if it's 5, 10, 5, you know, pro agility drills, it's something that's going to have to push you through when your body tells you, hey, I can't handle anymore. And your mind's sitting there telling you, yes, I can. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm letting you know right now, if you can push through this, I promise you, you can do better. So it's really, it's an overall physical and mental transformation that an athlete takes through the strength and conditioning program. And with performance course, it's something that it kept me accountable. Um, I'm naturally, or at least I was for the most part, 
um, a really lazy kid. And what I mean by that is, it's not that I couldn't do something. It's just, if I was around other people, other guys, my age, I was more likely to get something done and I wanted to compete to do better. So not only does it prepare you physically and mentally, it gets you ready uh, to compete not only against other teams, but against your teammates. If you can't beat out a teammate in the weight room on the football field, how are you going to be able to beat somebody else on another team if you're not on the field? So um, overall, I think that strength and conditioning plays a huge role in the physical and mental development of a player both on and off the field. What, what about the role of confidence? You know, we talk a lot about the, how confidence comes from preparation and, you know, the confidence that you get from just investing the time into the weight room and into your preparation, how that confidence then translates to on-field performance. How important is confidence, do you think, in athletic success? Well, I think confidence plays a huge role in it. If you don't believe in yourself or believe in your abilities, um, what what is it to you to go out there and try to put your best foot forward? If you think to yourself, man, I can't do this, you're not going to give your fullest, your best effort, I should say. Um, you know, and, and when you when you walk out there with the confidence that, yes, I can do this, I can beat the guy across from me, it gives you the ability to push through something you may not be able to do uh, otherwise. So if I know, okay, this guy, for instance, for me, when I played defensive line, you know, I weighed 280 pounds in college and the guys that I was lining up against were 6'5", 330 pounds. And that's across the line. And here I am barely 6'2". I'm looking up going, my gosh, what did I get myself into? But I had the confidence from being in the weight room uh, and being, you know, around the conditioning phase of the off season to say, okay, my body is physically prepared. My mind is mentally ready to get this job done. And I knew that if I played the, the correct technique and I got where I was supposed to be, that I would make a play because ultimately when it comes down to it, preparation, uh, you know, when you prepare correctly and it meets the right situation, success happens. So absolutely confidence plays a huge role and an athlete's uh, ability to get the job done. You know, you, you played in the Big Ten. You've played in the NFL. You're now coaching in the, in the best state in the country when it comes to high school football in Texas. How do you see the weight room train people to be better leaders as well in terms of leading their team and, and that sort of that uh, uh, opportunity for them to lead, you know, not just on the field but in the weight room as well? Absolutely. Well, let's let's be honest. Working out isn't something that just is inherently easy to do or something that everybody likes to do. Um, you know, even after playing football and being in the weight room and around it for 17 plus years, man, it's a grind. It's a struggle to want to say, hey, let me go in there, push around a bunch of heavy weights and make myself have to get stronger and faster and bigger. It's tough. Yeah, everybody wants to look like it, but it's a very hard job to do. So being a leader in the weight room, is something that can transfer over to the field. If I know that one of my better defensive players is in the weight room first before everybody else, is the last one to leave, and is making sure that everybody else is getting their sets and their reps done, that means I know I can count on him to be a leader on the field because if he's doing something after school, when coaches aren't necessarily harping on them on every single thing that they're doing, but he's able to push his teammates, I know that when the coaches are out there and eyes are on him at all times, that they're going to get the job done just as well. So uh, being a good leader in a weight room is something that transfers over to the field as well as off the field in the classroom. Because if you've got a guy who won't let another teammate skip a rep or skip a set, he's not letting himself do the same thing, which means he has high character. So when he gets in the classroom, he's going to turn his stuff in on time. He's going to make sure that he's doing the best he can on each test. And so when he gets out on the football field, I have the full trust in him to be a leader for the rest of our team. 
Well, so effort. Do you think that athletes learn to give a better ath- a better effort in competition when they've gone through a strength and conditioning program because they actually get to that point where they've got to make a decision, all right, am I going to quit or am I going to push through this next rep? How does strength and conditioning affect effort that you see on the field? Well, sure. I mean, your strength and conditioning is all part of an off-season training program and training is also training your mind and your body to understand what it feels like. Okay, here is my before threshold. What did I do to push past that? When I was in my conditioning phase and I'm on the 18th hundred of 2500s, what did my body feel like? Did it feel like it does in the third quarter or the fourth quarter? Was I able to push through to that overtime or to push through to to make that last play to get the ball back to the offense or to score so our defense can go back out and stop them again so we can go score again? So when you're going through the training phase of conditioning your body, again, it's not just physical, but it is mental as well. When you're, when you're training in, in the offseason, the more reps you do, the easier it is for your body to adapt and adjust to it. So the more often you're doing it, the easier it becomes once you're on the field and your body feels you're like, well, I've got this. I can push through this. So again, it kind of goes back to what your previous question was. That gives you the confidence to push through. So as you're training your body and you train your mind, step out on the football field or whatever sport it is you choose to do, you now have the confidence to push through because you know your body and your mind will work together to get the job done. You know, what is it that made you a consistent player through high school, through college, in the NFL? What would you say is the foundation of your consistency? For me, it was my mental approach to the game that I I wasn't going to allow somebody else who was bigger than I was uh, take my job, really, in theory. Uh, You know, when I was in high school, I was definitely one of the bigger kids. When I got to college, I was average at best. And when I got to the NFL, I was highly, highly undersized. And so I knew that I always had to rely on my ability to learn the game um, as a student of the game and not just saying, "Okay, yeah, this is my job on this play. I blitz here or this play. When this gap opens up, I'm supposed to fill here and make the tackle. Well, it wasn't just about that. It was studying the other team's offense. When a certain formation comes out, what are their plays that they run out of it? Out of a third and long situation, what are the opportunities for them to run the ball or pass the ball? Are they high high percentage throws? Are they low percentage throws? They're trying to take shots down the field. So I always took the approach that I was going to be the coach on the field as a player. That way I knew because I wasn't the biggest, I wasn't the fastest, I wasn't the strongest – that when I lined up against a guy across from me, I was better prepared for that game than he was. Even if he had spent 10, 15, 20 more hours a week in the weight room than I did, my mind was getting workouts, you know, 20, 30, 40 plus hours a week more than his was because when I was at home, I was watching film. I wasn't just going home and playing video games. I was going home and getting better. You know, and I know back when you were playing and I was playing, they didn't have huddle. You know, they didn't have the opportunity to get all the film study at home. Talk a little bit about, no. you know, talk a little bit about huddle and kind of the, the, the podcast that you run on the huddle network and some of the things that you guys talk about for the athletes listening to this. They might want to go get themselves a little bit more of Brandon Villarreal on that huddle network. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it, huddle has, has taken, you know, football study to an entirely new level. Kind of like you said, when you and I were playing, um, you know, I had to get a DVD or a tape. I had to get a DVD burned or a tape recorded to take home and put it in the player. And I had to physically press rewind and all that stuff, which is no different than huddle. But having it digital uh, makes a huge difference. You know, it, it takes zero time for those kids to get the update. So as soon as it's uploaded in the system after practice, which takes 20, 30 minutes sometimes, it's immediately shared with them and they can find it on their mobile device and go home and watch it on the computer. They can stream it over their television. So 
Um, there's no excuse for why a kid can't be mentally prepared for the team that they're playing. And, um, you know, when you talk about the Huddle Network, uh, which is a uh, it's a it's a digital sports media company that I help run. Um, you know, we do a lot of podcasting on college football, but I think what what is so so great about how how we operate it, and I know when you have your own podcast as well, is that people are always on the go these days. How often do people really sit down? And spend time saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to go read an article or I'm going to go watch a television show. Nobody really does that anymore. And so having the ability to be streamed live anytime, uh, any place uh, is huge. And the Huddle Network um, over the past three years has really, really grown. Um, you know, we've got big names such as Mike Golick Jr. and Ricky Waters. We had Eric Crouch for a little while there as well. Um, former Heisman Trophy winner. And and the, the whole purpose of it is to really bring college football to the fans from people that have done it before. Uh, and that's all of us that played college football. So uh, it's a huge deal. And if they want to get more, uh, you know, a larger dose of it, obviously they can go to www.thehuddlenetwork.com. Uh, they can also go to iTunes and search The Huddle Network and get all of our podcasts. Uh, we've got almost, I believe we're up to almost 45 huddles, which means uh, for instance, at the University of Texas, we would have, you know, player A and player B who used to play there, you know, broadcasting and podcasting about University of Texas football. So um, if you check out our website, you can see all those available and you can always have us, uh, you know, ready to go anytime you want. You can download our podcast and listen at any time. It's awesome, man. I love that. That's what a, what a great concept. You know, you, you, you were with the Saints. Uh, you played at Purdue. You know, you hear both the name the Saints, the Purdue. You think of Drew Brees, who who went on a similar path, right? And you talk about mindset and the mental game. Would you talk about the the best players that you've been around yourself, guys you've coached either at McKinney or guys you played with in the league? What would you say is the mental game of football? You know, the first name you threw out there, Drew Brees. Um, you know, I have to be honest with you. He is the he is the reason I chose to go to Purdue. And I think it was by either a stroke of luck or the good Lord above that I ended up in New Orleans with an opportunity to play with him because he is by far one of the best human beings overall that I've ever been with. But when you talk about a, a, a professional football player, he is what people call him a pro's pro. In other words, he is, even though he's a hundred plus million dollar man, he's the first person in the locker room every day. He's one of the last ones to leave. He knows everything about that offense he knows how to make his players around him better, and there's nobody that's going to outwork him in the weight room either. And and you would say that, you know, as a quarterback, well, why is that? Well, it's because he knows how to take care of his body and take care of his mind. He's constantly studying, and when you talk to him during football season, you know, I hate to say it, it's kind of hard to get him to focus sometimes because I think his mind is just constantly on football. And so the mental approach that Drew has is that nobody's going to be better than I am, and he's in that he's in that mindset. 24-7. Um, you know, he had people that doubted him coming out of high school saying he was too small, he couldn't do this, he was too slow. And he set all kinds of records and blew the record book out of the water in the Big Ten, and he's continuing to do it in the NFL. And so I think when, you know, when you talk about the role that the mental approach takes and what kinds of players do that, you know who those players are. It's it's in high school, it's kind of hard to tell who they are because a lot of times in high school, especially you know, if you play at a pretty dominant school, those kinds of players aren't going to stick out because usually the bigger player can make an impact just based on his size and his strength. But I know for me personally, I see it week in and week out during practice. Excuse me. Week in and week out during practice, 
when a player is constantly making the right calls, when he is doing exactly what he's coached to do, when he's after practice coming up to me and saying, hey, coach, what can I do to get better this week as opposed to last week? So really what it is is it's somebody who constantly puts their self out there as I'm not going to be beat. I'm the best that there is at this. But even though I am the best, I can't stop because then if I do, I'm taking a step back. There is no staying the same. I either get better or I get worse. So the mental approach, the mental game of football is really saying I need to put in as much time as I possibly can because however much I put into it is how much I'm going to get out of it. Can you also talk about kind of that importance of going one play at a time and having that short-term memory, whether you've got a guy wrapped up in the backfield and he gets away from you or, you know, ref, ref throws a flag that you disagree with or you, you make a tackle for a loss, right? The most important play is always the next one. Talk about that one play at a time mentality. Man, I can't tell you how tough that, that really can be. And I think when you when you look at it from a defensive perspective, the position that has to have that mentality more than any other is cornerback. You know, they can be beat over the top on one play for a touchdown, 80 yards, and then the next play they can have an interception for for a touchdown themselves. But it's one of those deals where if you can't put yourself in a position to have a short mind, or, or uh, excuse me, a um, what's the word I'm looking for here? To, to really short, think, short-term memory? Short-term memory, yeah, yeah, to have a short memory on it then really it's going to take you out of your game. If you prepare week in and week out and saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do in this coverage. When he does this route, this is what I do. And then all of a sudden you bust it. If you think, man, I screwed it up. I then you're going to take yourself out of your game. And then the next play, you're going to be like, crap, don't do this wrong. Oh, wait, no, he did this now. Well, you were thinking about the last play and you hit the nail on the head when you say that the next play is the most important play. Um, and I've been, I've been fortunate, especially at McKinney North, to have a number of players who really do have a great next play mentality. And that goes for good and bad. Um, you know, it's like you said, when you make a tackle in the backfield or you score a touchdown or an interception or just a big play in general, maybe a return or a kickoff, you have to say, all right, that was great. And I could celebrate right then and there. As soon as it's done, I got to move on to the next play because uh, if you're sitting there worried about what happened the last play or you're sitting there, uh, saying, you know, look what I did last play, you're going to get hit in the mouth. And it's, you know, kind of goes back to what uh, Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until they get hit in the mouth. And that's that certainly is the case. And we want to be the people that are, you know, quote unquote, hitting the other people in the mouth every single play. Nothing better than a little Iron Mike philosophy on the podcast. You know? <laughs> no kidding, right? I, lo- I love when he said that if you, if, if you want to be a beast, you have to do what beasts do. And it just shows That's him right. stand, standing over somebody, you know, after knocking him out probably 30 seconds yeah. into the fight. You know, Brandon, my last question for you here would be, if you could take the skull cap of every high school athlete listening to this podcast right now and open it up and drop one seed of success inside of their mind, something that made you a success that you're like, man, if I could just give this to every person listening to this, I know they're going to improve from where they are and get closer to where they want to be. What would that one seed of success be? Man, it's, there's so many things I think that, that you can say based on the time that you've spent on this earth that you could say to the people that are, you know, younger than you and wish, man, if I could just put this in your brain, man, this would make you better. But I think if I had to choose one, I would really say that you have got to make sure that you give a hundred percent effort in every single thing you do. And it starts in the classroom. If you can't get on to the field because your grades, 
there's no chance of you playing. Then when you finally make that opportunity, you've got to play 100% effort in every practice play because your practice efforts transfer and translate into your game efforts. Um, we talk about building habits all the time. So it sounds really cliche, but I, the one thing I would say is always go 100% in everything you do. That way there's no doubt that you're doing everything you possibly can to be the best you can be. Love that. That is absolutely big time, man. Have great habits. Leave no doubt with Brandon Villarreal. I appreciate you making time to be here on the Peak Performance Podcast. For the coaches and athletes listening to this, you can get yourself some more Brandon by checking him out on Twitter. It's at Brandon, that's with an O, at Brandon Villa, V-I-L-L-A, 5-5. Again, at Brandon Villa, V, I'm sorry, at Brandon Villa, 5-5, or at Huddle Network. Brandon, thanks for making time, man. Really appreciate you joining us here on the podcast. Thanks, Brian. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Peak Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a positive review or share a link to this episode on social media using hashtag PeakPod. Mention Brian Kane and one thing you learned in this episode for your chance to win a free ticket to the next Brian Kane Experience live event. Dominate the day.